0: Mike. Michelle.
1: Hey, Mike.
0: Are you on Prince Edward Island time or what?
1: Pretty much. <laughs> Pretty much. We're all like on quarantine time, aren't we?
0: We're all on borrowed time.
1: True. True that.
0: All right, Michelle. We're, we're here for 506. Better call Saul Wexler v. Goodman. And in my uh, notes, I had comma or parentheses LS question mark question mark. But it turned out not to be Ellis. It was different. What did you think of this episode?
1: Well, it was completely different than what I thought it was going to be. I thought, you know, like we had talked about, it was going to be something that they were taking in court. But, of course, that's not at all what it ended up being. Um, Yeah, I I think that it was... I don't know. I don't know where to go with this. I don't know where we're going to go with this. Um it was a good episode. It gave us a lot to think about, a lot to speculate about where we're going to go. Um, I'm still going to complain that we haven't seen Gene again, and uh, it, but I did like seeing young Kim, and I love the nacho spin, it, but I just I I want some more Gene. I want it.
0: Michelle, you seem a little half-hearted tonight. Is everything okay? <laughs>
1: Um, no, everything's fine.
0: All right. Well, good. Well, I like little Kim, too. I like meeting little Kim. Um, although I will say that I lost a degree or two of admiration for Kevin when I found out that he inherited his business from his father and he didn't start it. I thought he was the entrepreneur here, but he's not. He's still yeah. an entrepreneur, but not the original founder, which took a little bit of wind out of Kevin's sails for me.
1: I thought so, too, because it seemed like that when he first started with Kim. Like, right, like they just had one, and he really wanted to expand it. I thought it was his doing, too.
0: So. Well, they probably did only have one. Yeah. But, yeah, he got a foothold. I don't know. It was a little Trumpian, in my view. Like, Trump's father gave him a really nice head, little head start. And then Trump did what he did. This guy, too, he got a pretty nice little head start by his father coming up with this plan.
1: What did you think of his father, though? They made him look like a doofus.
0: Well, that was the... (laughs) That was the live movie crew doing that to him. He can't blame the father for that. Who knows? Well if- not
1: really. Even just the beginning commercial. Just the old commercial. I guess old commercials kind of were like that, but
0: No, what was wrong with the old commercial?
1: I mean he just looked kinda of like a just I don't know. He was kinda of doofy, wasn't he? The dad? He's I didn't standing think so. out there. He was a cowboy of- appealing
0: to cowboy people out in the west, southwest was his market.
1: Yeah, but what was see what did he keep saying? Yeah, or something. I don't know. I mean, and I I realize he only said it once in the original commercial, but I don't know. I thought it was a little overplayed. But
0: so Michelle, in in uh, we're on time this week for the first time. I think <laughs> it's actually Wednesday night when we plan to do this, um, but I still had a little time to sneak sneak preview some of the other people's the other critics' opinions.
1: Okay.
0: So Seppenwall says, "Is there a chance?" as Odenkirk and Seahorn both suggested, that Saul Goodman went home every night to Kim in Breaking Bad.
1: Hmm. I think there's a chance. What do you think?
0: Uh, I think there's a chance, but it's a long shot chance. Why? Because... That would be um, retconning to the max if they said that Saul had Kim as a wife every single time through that whole season, that whole series. I don't know, man. That's a stretch to me.
1: Well, but they show us how he kind of separates work from home. Like all that work stuff will be going on and he works late and he does whatever he's got to do. But then he's like, Chinese tonight? Or whatever, and I mean it's completely separate.
0: Yeah, we. I mean, we don't have any reason to n- to not believe it, except that we never saw it, which I guess is a fairly strong reason. But I don't know, man. It's a that's a stretch to me. I want to believe the romantic reason. Like we saw Kim. We'll talk about it when we get to the recaps of the scenes. But we saw where Kim's from. We saw where Gene is. That tees up such a brilliant reconciliation if they are apart. I don't want them to have been together the whole time. I want them to have separated. And I do want to see them back together. But I don't want them to have... I don't want Saul to go home every night to Kim. Why? I don't know. It just seems... It just takes away from Kim that she would put up with his bullshitness. I want them both, I want to see them both have fallen and then recover together, not both
1: go on together. I guess I mean they're both they both kind of fell together though, I mean in a way, so from what we've seen so far.
0: Yeah, I mean Kim's
1: I, no angel either.
0: I'd rather see the separation reunion than the than the long slug of them being tolerant of each other's like dicey behavior.
1: Well, I think we'll see a the separation if if it comes to that, a separation reunion because I don't think she went with Jean. We have seen Jean at home. But I don't think we ever did see Saul at home.
0: I'd rather see the separation non reunion than the long slog of them being complicit together in dicey whatever they whatever they have now.
1: What's your want, romance, Mike?
0: I don't want it to, I don't want what they have now to continue.
1: Well, what do you think is going to change?
0: I think there's a separation coming. I, I, well, I, I'm hoping, anyway. Kim goes to jail. Kim gets killed. Somehow Kim gets separated. I want that to happen.
1: Dang. Why? Okay.
0: I just told you why. I want this. I want the reunion to be strong, not just a continuous slog of them having been together this whole time.
1: Well, if she gets killed, the reunion will be a little bit gory.
0: It'll be dramatic as hell if she's killed and
1: she. I guess kill. that'd be quite the reunion.
0: So, Michelle, sometimes my first reaction triggers itself before I have the sanity of context. So, when I first saw this first scene, I thought, "Wow, that looks just like Arya in Game of Thrones." Little Kim standing there.
1: That's funny.
0: But, she was, but then later on, you know, a minute, a couple seconds later, she's blonde and not Aria, of course. But her face looked like little
1: Aria. Well, it's it's funny that you kind of said that because I was thinking it was Kaylee at first. You know how they always have, or not always, but they've had several different Kaylee actors. And, and the Kaylee actors haven't lined up either. To the age and all that kind of stuff. We talked that to death at one point, I think. But I thought at first it was Kaylee. So, it's funny that you thought it was somebody else, too.
0: Well, who was it, Michelle?
1: Well, it turns out it was Tween Kim. She's outside her middle school. like a kid and a teenager. They call them tweens. I think it's like, yeah, maybe 10, 11, 12. And her mom's been drinking Kimmy, Kimmy, and they called her Kimmy, which was funny because we've called her Kimmy the whole time, wasn't having any of it. She decided she's going to walk home with her cello in place of riding with her mom and not even McNuggets will change her mind, and her mom drives off saying Kimmy never listens.
0: Yeah, and Affair of the Heart is on the radio. That's Rick Springfield, right?
1: Yes, yes.
0: Um, yeah, we noticed, too, the New- Nebraska, <laughs> I have any in my notes, Nebraska license plate on her mom's car.
1: Yes. So that's interesting because we know that Jean's in Omaha now. But so did Gene get to pick where he went?
0: No, but Jimmy slash Saul said that in Breaking Bad that... If I'm not careful, I'm going to end up doing a Cinnabon in Omaha. So I'm sure, yeah, I guess he probably had a little bit to say about it. Okay. So, Michelle, there's another part I caught in my cheating and listening to other persons do their reviews. And the Insider podcast said that the hard line with her mom, when little Kim said to her mom, absolutely not, I'm not going to ride with you. Might have caused some sort of unresolvable rift that she never, her and her mom never got over. And she did not want to experience that again with Jimmy. So this is how she puts up with Jimmy's crap. And then at the end, you know, at the end says, maybe we should get married. Like, like there's a rift, there's a rift created and there's been a rift being created during this whole series, essentially. And, well,
1: I think it I'm sorry go ahead. And maybe
0: Kim has maybe Kim has some sort of disposition now because of her being a little daughter to her mom that this rift that she created by putting her foot down I'm not getting in the car with you mom when you're drinking and and then mom never kind of came back after that. That maybe she's a victim of that. Kim is a victim of that hard line that she drew as a tween as you call her.
1: Yeah. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's that kind of thing, or maybe it's, I don't know. I felt like this scene told us so much about why, you know, because you've said many times, why would somebody like Kim be with somebody like Jimmy? And, you know, they say that we tend to model what we were raised in our our own house, households. And so, Tween Kim was, you know, this, um, she had to put up with a lot and I'm, I'm sure that she made excuses and she put her foot down at certain times and all that kind of stuff. And so that just explained a whole lot to me about why she would end up with somebody like Jimmy and why she would be with him.
0: Yeah. And I will say that that theory I just proposed, I would have thrown out the window immediately had it not come from Peter Gould and Ray Seahorn in the Insider podcast. So when I hear it there, I almost kind of have to, like, give it some credibility because it's the frickin' writer and creator of the show. Yeah. So, but I don't—I would have—if you had brought it up, I'd be like, Michelle, have you lost your mind? I I, I don't like that theory, but they brought it up, so—
1: yeah and i i don't like it when they do that we should be able to draw our own conclusions and we should draw the conclusion that they have put in our mind and that is not the conclusion that i would have drawn from it just like you said but but i i did think it was a great scene i've we talked about it where did kim come from and all that kind of stuff we never see her talk you know we saw jimmy talk about his brother and and what happened to his parents and stuff we've never seen anything about kim and um I I realize she's never been like the main character, but she's a very important character in this. And I, I'm glad we got to see that little bit of backstory on her. But then we go into the intro and we come back and we see that old commercial for Mesa Verde with Kevin's dad and young Kevin. So and, Michelle,
0: in the financial universe that we live in these <laughs> crazy days, do you feel like you have freedom to bank?
1: <laughs> um, Sure. And no? a cowboy
0: wants freedom to bank.
1: Freedom to bank. You didn't think he was kind of doofy when uh Saul was playing that for his film crew.
0: Well, I thought the original Don Wattell 1970 commercial, whatever year it was supposed to be, I thought that was appropriate for the time. Of course it's doofy. He's got like conservative, you know, doofy customers he's marketing to. He can't look slick and you know Hollywood to them.
1: Well, and a lot of teens you You're 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 right. It was probably very appropriate to the time, even more so than to the specific audience. I think you're probably right,
0: Kevin. I mean, little Kevin is a porky little dingus.
1: <laughs> he right. is,
0: he is the he is definitely the tadpole that he grew up to be, and being the real Kevin that he is.
1: They're they're painting him in a different light, I think, than we saw him. To begin with. And I think there's probably a reason. I don't know what it is.
0: I told you last episode. I I thought he looked like a dork. In the last episode. Before. I, and, and all of before. I had thought he was like a clever entrepreneur.
1: Well they definitely showed him that way. At the beginning. He seemed like a, you know, a smart guy. Who was working toward his goals. Or whatever. And then suddenly they've got him just. I don't know, being hot-headed and, and cutting off his nose to spite his face and just silly stuff. But Saul's trying to get him. He's, he's showing his, uh, his film crew, the college film crew, this commercial. And we don't know what they're doing, but he's wanting to do something with it at this point. And he wants it done by tomorrow. And they're giving him every reason why it can't be and, they want to know, does he even have a green screen? And then we go directly to the people painting a screen green the next day. And we have all these people in there. They're trying to shoot this commercial. And I thought that was really, really good, that 5, 4, 3, 2 magic. I mean, it was great. What would you think about Saul in that? The the Yeah, he's a directing. pretty good
0: producer. He's a pretty good, I don't know what they call director, I guess, set director. He's pretty good at that. You know, he, he comes up with the idea, and the, then he executes the direction of it. I, I thought that was good.
1: Daddy, too, was nitpicking every little thing. Did you tell him he was telling him, you know, the burden of the world is on your shoulders, but you don't care, but really sock it to him, but let it go or whatever. You know, it was, everything he said was like this contradiction, and it was, I thought it was really funny. And
0: plus they were really under the gun. They have midterms and there are no bathrooms.
1: That's pretty bad, yeah. So then Kim pulls up outside the nail salon, and she walks through the door. And this is where she was looking in at everything Jimmy's doing. And she seems to, like, look very fondly for just a real brief moment. And then she looks serious. And Saul comes out, as usual. He's happy to see her. He's telling her everything's going on that, and, you know, everything that's going on. He just wants to talk about it and all that. But she just wants to talk. Yeah,
0: did you think this was the hammer coming down on Jimmy where Kim finally says, Jimmy, we got to have the talk?
1: You mean her breaking up with him or something? Yeah, yeah. No, well, no, right then, in the middle of him doing this thing for her? It didn't dawn on me, did you?
0: Yeah, well, this moment has struck me several times in the last two, three, four episodes that this is the final time. Her coming home to him chucking beer bottles or him, her coming home, finding out he's done something and her coming to this now after all the stuff at the meetings she's been through. I'm waiting for that heel to come down on his throat like, hey, man, it's over. We just can't do this anymore.
1: Well, we'll talk about that. But um, if the heel hasn't come down so far, I'm wondering.
0: So, Michelle, what do you think about makeup girl wearing too much makeup? She wears tons of makeup. The three, the three Lindelof crew team members are Makeup Girl, Camera Guy, and Sound Guy. Right. And Makeup Girl wears way too much makeup.
1: I think that's probably pretty common.
0: She's the expert, though. She should know the right right moderation.
1: Yeah, but, I mean, that's, you know, she's in college for it, and I don't know. It's... it's it's kind of like she wears set makeup even off set, but she she was she was great in this. she literally caused me to kind of chuckle to myself several things she said she was really good.
0: they're all three always good
1: they really are they really are, but Kim wants to know if Acker's going to set if Jimmy thinks Acker will settle for seventy five thousand dollars and we find out Kevin isn't even offering that, that she'll get as high as Kevin will go, and then she'll personally cover the rest. And she kind of covers this up with Rich is suspicious and just wants this over. And But that's not really what's going on, I don't think. Do you? Or do you?
0: No, I thought that. I thought that for sure.
1: So you thought it had to do with Rich.
0: Like he already, well, hasn't he already, hasn't he already been suspicious? And hadn't she already known that he's suspicious? She, he knows their boyfriend and girlfriend. I don't know. I, I, I think Rich not being suspicious would be, would be odd.
1: Right. I'm just saying, I don't think that's the reason she wants this over and wants to pay Acker out of her own pocket. I think Kim just doesn't have the taste for this. I think this may be going a little bit farther than Kim wanted to go.
0: Well, that, yeah, that's always hanging over every scene about Jimmy and Kim. Like, when will they finally end? Like, she's finally had enough. But, I mean, this could cost her her job. If Rich is suspicious and she gets caught doing something impropriety and some sort of impropriety towards her you know, Rawls a legal partner in his firm.
1: Well, her job, her, her license, it could cost her her freedom. A lot of things. But Saul says, this is like a home run and, and it's just, you know, it's this beautiful home run that then suddenly goes foul, but Kim still doesn't want to do it. And she offers to come in and help. And that's that.
0: Yeah. They talk about the play. The play is, be- Jimmy's like compelling her, like, come on, Kim, the play is beautiful. It's, it's as if the act of what they're doing is more important than the results of what they're trying to accomplish.
1: I think Jimmy's really proud of what he was able to accomplish. This is just like the next day, evidently.
0: Yeah, it's the play. The The play is the heart of every scam. You know, the the fact that they're winning the play. Not like a, not like a theatrical play, but the 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 um, art of the the art of the scam is the play, and it's the heart of every scam it's beyond the money beyond it's beyond the goal of like the legal goal of winning over Acker and getting him to finally concede his place it's the goal of the artist is like the play you know winning the play it's like Walt you know he finally admitted to Skyler that he liked what he was doing it wasn't the money anymore it was just like him winning. What did he say at one point back then? Like, I'm I'm in the empire business.
1: Yeah, it was like the power. It was the power I think he got from it.
0: So well, we also learn about this artist. Yes. This Navajo lady artist. Yes. And they name her Olivia Bitsui, um, which is the name of Jeremiah Bitsui. That's the actual name of his daughter. Jeremiah Bitsui is Victor.
1: Oh, I didn't know that.
0: So, that's a little tribute to Victor.
1: Oh, that's kind of cool. That's cool. Okay, the next scene we go to is the one that has Nacho with his muscle car inside that dilapidated old air-opened warehouse. And Gus and Michael come in. Now, how did he... That's quick, isn't it? I mean, Mike is suddenly... Gus' right hand man, just like.
0: Mm, Gus told him he wanted a soldier, and he got a soldier. He I guess stitched him up and put him back in the front line.
1: <laughs> yeah, that just seemed. Um... Well, Gus got his way. We we found that out. You
0: got to call With... Nacho's car by the name, Michelle. It's a javelin.
1: A javelin. Yeah. Okay, I thought MC that was like a stick. Javelin. Okay.
0: You thought it was a what?
1: I thought a javelin was like one of those sticks that you ran on. Well, every
0: car. A Ford Mustang isn't a horse. It's a, you know. (laughs) (laughs)
1: I'll try to remember Nacho's javelin. All right. Okay. But Nacho tells Gus that Lalo is ratting out Gus's guys. He's just basically giving him the info, the intel, like he always does. And Gus just immediately, like, puts this other stuff into action. He wants his guys protected, hire others, promote the little guys or whatever, but protect his guys. And then he tells Lalo—well, first, Lalo tells him all the other nasty ideas that are going to chip away at Gus's business until Eladio essentially doesn't find him valuable anymore.
0: Did you like—skipping back a beat or two here—did you like how Nacho— play acted in front of Gus. Like, is this the gringo that is causing all the problems? Like, he plays that he doesn't know Mike.
1: Yes. Yes. That was
0: very smart, I thought. Although also very risky, because if Gus ever finds out, both risky for both Nacho and Mike, that why didn't you tell me you already knew him when he said, is this the gringo? It's it's dangerous for both Nacho
1: and Mike. But did did Nacho know? I mean, I know he knows Mike, but did he know that was the guy that Lalo was talking about.
0: Yeah, Nacho, that- Nacho made it appear as if he had never seen or met Mike before. Is this the okay. gringo so this is the gringo This is the
1: gringo Mike the, or whatever. Yeah, was like
0: this is this is his first time he ever crossed paths with Mike. Yeah. And Gus, I mean Gus for a dude who knows a lot, that would be dangerous to put that little fake into play in front of Gus, I thought.
1: Yeah, I agree, and but Nacho has. Okay, I'm trying to think though. Because Gus knew what Nacho did with Hector. That's how he's in this situation. So what would be the big deal about him knowing about Mike?
0: There, well, be, well now there's a big deal because he pretended he didn't know Mike. Well,
1: sure. I didn't even think about that. So when Lalo the whole time was talking about Mike, Nacho, do you think he knew who he was talking about in that context?
0: Yeah. I mean, Nacho knows all this and, and he's pretending now he doesn't know Mike. Remember Mike told Nacho, if you're going to kill him, make sure you get the vial back or whatever he dropped into his drink. Right. He, Mike and Nacho do know each other. Right. He's pre- pretending to Gus, Nacho's pretending to Gus that he's meeting Mike for the first time. You don't pretend you, you know, to Gus, you don't pretend you went to the drugstore when you went to the grocery store or he'll right. freaking kill you. So this is a big, this is a big fake out on Nacho. And, and like I said, for Mike, too, to go along with it.
1: But they almost have to, though, don't they? And what's Nacho going to say, yeah, this is the guy who told me if I do this with Hector, I mean, you know, that would have been even worse.
0: He could have just said nothing, though, but he he put forth a,
1: yeah.
0: a prevarication, Michelle, <laughs> a lie. He put forth a fake out to Gus, which was not. I don't know. Maybe he had to. I I can't grasp right now why he had to, but he did it. And if he gets right. caught, he's going to be in big trouble. Which he may be in because we don't know what happens to Gus, uh, to Nacho yet.
1: We don't. So we also don't. some
0: of the things that they talk about are what you know you kind of breeze through it. But Nacho or Lalo's using the connection to rat out the dealers' times and locations of their slinging. He's going to get Gus's dudes all caught up and arrested. So. Th- Theoretically, Gus goes out of business, and Lalo and the Salamancas look good to the
1: Yeah, well, not even that. He was trying to destroy his chicken business, too. He didn't want him to be profitable. The chicken business makes it easier for him to be able to do the other stuff. I mean, obviously, it's the front for the other stuff. But he's talking about, what did he say, food poisoning or something? He's talking about really bad things.
0: Yeah, supply trucks, restaurants make their customers sick, cut to power lines, destroy their pipes yes um and so gus then throws some of his own soldiers into the pit (laughs) to victor by saying get the low-level dealers promoted or get new ones and let them be the ones that get caught right so
1: and to protect his guys Yeah, he's gonna
0: kill some of his own guys to get to keep his upper level guys in place
1: Okay, but the interesting part to me—I mean, that was interesting—but we know Nacho's doing that with Gus. But the inter—and and we also kind of know what Lalo's up to. I didn't know how, you know, far he was willing to go as far as making customers sick. But it's not really surprising. But the interesting part: Gus tells him that he now reports to Mike, and Gus drives off, and Mike goes to drive off, and Nacho comes out after him, and he's like shocked. That Mike's working for him. Do you know who you're working for? Do you know what he does? And then Mike tells him that he warned him that when he went after Hector, there would be others to worry about. Yeah. And then Mike says, and you knew. you got no excuse. You knew. And, and this is where Nacho says, but my father didn't. And he's like, you know, emotional about it. He said, they have a gun to my father's head. Yeah, so and if, if then... you if
0: you play chess, this makes this makes me think of Gus as like the queen, the most powerful piece on the board. Mike as like a bishop or a rook, like a pretty powerful piece. And Nacho is just kind of a pawn. He's a he's a good soldier, he's capable, but he's being moved around left and right. But so Mike is higher up than Nacho, like by a couple notches.
1: Sure. Yeah, he's he... Uh, nachos to report to mike so sure yeah well he
0: reports to him in their wacky cartelish or not cartelish but their criminal enterprise but literally in in game playing in strategy he's a couple notches below mike
1: well he even tells uh nacho you know whatever mike wants you do so yeah
0: yeah, but I then, guess I, I guess I'm saying that's the directive from Gus, but in the in this whole scheme of things, just oh, okay. by their natural abilities and skill sets, Mike's above Nacho.
1: Well, yeah, I guess you're right, but maybe only because they haven't threatened Kaylee or anybody yet. Yeah, I. Because that kind of puts you where they want you.
0: Well, that would be Mike's decision though. I'm saying but Mike by his very intelligence and his skill set is above Nacho. Okay. Mike's I a mean, smarter player. He's a more powerful soldier than Nacho. He's got a better he's got a better repertoire of, of skills than Nacho.
1: Yeah, I mean he's older and yeah, I mean I agree and also he's um I don't know. He he just it's just like he doesn't have as much to lose. It feels like. I know he does, but it feels like he doesn't. It feels like that's how he acts.
0: I think he does. His granddaughter, his daughter-in-law.
1: Yeah, but you don't see Nacho doing stupid things like Mike does, like going by the the, you know, whatever those guys were outside for a second time, starting to fight with them, that kind of stuff. You don't see Nacho being careless like Mike does, but maybe that has to do with his drinking and whatever. Mike's I mean.
0: Alright Michelle, you dug a pretty good trench here. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna move you over on this point.
1: Well, I don't know. I'm I'm not saying you're wrong. I just have never thought about it like that, so I don't know. But Mike I felt like in this, he pretty much offered to help Nacho with his dad. He said, let's take care of Lalo first, then we'll talk about your dad.
0: Well, Mike, you're right about that. Mike, clearly, this registers with Mike, like, oh, a family member. Hmm." Yes. It, like, gives him pause to reconsider his bishop or rookness (laughs) to help the lowly pawn Nacho, like, he doesn't just write him off like, oh, you created the bed you made. You have to sleep in it. He wants to kind of help him a little bit more because right. the father's involved.
1: Right. Right. So that gives me hope that, you know, dad might get out of this. Nacho's dad. Maybe not Nacho, but maybe his dad.
0: Maybe. I kind of care more about Nacho than his dad, though. I mean, more interesting. Yeah, Nacho's I do, too. More interesting.
1: Sure, but Nacho cares more about his dad than he does himself. Absolutely. So I mean, if if one of them had to go, it would be in Nacho's best interest for it to be him and not his dad. I think. I mean, I think he would sacrifice himself for his dad. Is what I mean. Okay. Next, we go to Kim, Rich, and Paige, and uh, or or they're calling Paige. Kim and Rich are and telling her that Acker has decided to settle, and she's very, very happy and. They're setting up a time to do all that. And then they decide to have a little private conversation. Kim asks uh, Marcy, the other girl in the room, I guess the, I don't know who she, what she is, but they ask her to leave. And Kim apologizes to Rich for her behavior. And this was just yesterday. She says, I'm sorry for my behavior yesterday. So this is quick. This stuff's moving fast. And... She says, I was right to stay on the case, but I'm sorry for the way I acted. And Rich goes into, it's fine to do that. You know, it's fine to break or whatever, but you can't do it in front of the people. You can't do it in front of the employees. and Kim says The troops. And Kim says she never will again. And then Rich keeps his lunch reservation, but cancels his lunch date. So he and Kim can go to lunch and walk out together where everyone can see that they are a united front.
0: Yep, for appearances.
1: Yep. So then we see Mike sitting in his car going over the wire transfer guy, Fred, going over the paperwork of where he was killed. And then he goes into the library, buys some 25 cent books. That was some pretty good deals on those books, Mike. And the whole thing's contrived because he asked for Lily Simmons, and he knows it's her. And he doesn't give his real name. He's a P.I., Dave Clark, and he wants to talk to her. And that's evidently Mike's alias at other times, too.
0: Yeah, it was Dave Clark in the, um, when they had to go to the police station to get the computer with the magnet and all that back and breaking Right,
1: down. right.
0: Dave Clark 5 is a band in the 60s or something. So Dave Clark is a funny alias for Mike.
1: Well, she's reluctant, but she he plays on her emotions. And he says the family's looking for closure and all that kind of stuff. So she sits down with him, and she tells him that essentially she was in this wire transfer place because she sends money back to uh, Taiwan every month. And Fred was always really nice to her and all that. And that she was the one, as we remember, who was looking through the window when Lalo was in there knocking on the door, trying to get in and Lalo waved her off. So Mike's asking her all the questions about Lalo and what he looked like and all that kind of thing. And then he's very suggestive and inappropriate with what kind of car did you see? Could it have looked like this and all that? And he shows her Lalo's car. Because she can't remember. She's like, I can't remember a car kinds, the kind with four wheels, ha, ha, ha. And he shows her Lalo's car and asks if that was the car. And she says, is that the car? And he goes, well, that's not She's, for me to yeah, say. Yeah, she
0: still can't remember it, even looking at several angles of Lalo's car.
1: Right. And then she goes, now that I look at it, I think that it was. And he asked her to call the detective that was on it back then, and tell them that it was a gray 1970 Chevy Monte Carlo. And don't mention my name. I don't want the credit. I only want justice.
0: It's pretty smart. It fits like a cop, a private detective overruling a cop by being a better investigator would irk the cop's pride, and he tells her that, and she, you know, it's plausible. Like, let the cop get the credit. It makes sense.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm, it it does. I'm a little shocked that she would have went along with it because she didn't remember. And I mean, and it was Lalo's car, but she didn't remember that. So, but she picks up the phone to call the cops and um, Mike sits there watching her.
0: Yeah, Detective Roberts is another uh, reunion for us from Breaking Bad.
1: Oh, was he? I don't remember Detective that. Detective
0: Roberts is the guy that helped Hank help Walt. when. Remember when Walt was driving with his broken windshield and the cop pulled him over and Walt went berserk in the highway with the cop and got pepper sprayed?
1: Oh, I would forgot. That was at the beginning, kind of, wasn't it? It was
0: like in the middle, middle-ish. Well, it, was after, it was after season two, cause, or maybe in season two when the planes crashed. But so Hank calls his buddy Detective Roberts to help get Walt out of trouble when he gets pulled over. And Walt has to apologize to the cop and all that. And then also <laughs> Detective Roberts helped um, Hank search for Walt during his fugue state when Walt and Jesse were out in the desert.
1: And you remember this guy? Cause I yeah, didn't I totally him. remembered
0: okay. him. I totally remembered his face.
1: Well, that's very smart. That's been... I've slept since then. That's been a long time. But that was that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool, and I think that it was, you know, pretty believable that it could happen like that.
0: Completely little- believable. I thought it was, that's why I said it was a good play by... First of all, for Mike to appeal to this poor librarian's sense of like, I'm just here to help the family. I'm really, and he kind of broke down a little bit, like he gave a little emotional. I'm just, I just want the family to get closure, and she like bought into that, like hook, line, and sinker. And um, he he knew what would appeal to her most. It wasn't like the law has to be resolved. She, She wouldn't have cared about that. She didn't care about the car. Didn't remember the car. But the family getting closure was like the, you know, the pinpoint that he needed for her.
1: Right, but that's important, you know. As far as that goes, that's an important thing. What if he had shown her a different car? Would she have went along with that? And could he have framed somebody else?
0: I would have to say yes. She probably yeah. would. have.
1: Well, that's bad. That's Mike. Okay, then Saul comes out of court with the two hookers that he's just gotten off, and he they offer him their services, and he declines. They they start to head back to the street, but he stops them and asks them how much for a whole hour for both of them. And you're like, what are you doing?
0: How much is it for a whole hour, Michelle?
1: (laughs) Are you asking (laughs) me? (laughs) I don't know. I
0: I thought you might have done some research. Don't get mad at me.
1: (laughs) I did not. I wouldn't even want that search on my Google. Okay, so then we go to Howard, and he said... Did you have any idea what he was going to... I knew he was up to something, but I didn't know what. Did you have a clue?
0: Why he's digging on Howard so bad?
1: No. Why he wanted their services for an hour. Oh, no. Okay. No. So then Howard's headed into lunch, and he's um, going to have lunch with Clifford Maine. So the hookers come up, and, hey, Howie... You know, you know why we're here. Don't try to play us. (laughs) Joe Dog isn't happy with you. I mean, what what would you do in a situation? Who's going to believe you in that situation?
0: Well, nobody. Howard looks pretty freaking guilty. That is kind of a funny scene that doesn't really mean too much. Except I, I can't see any much more meaning than Jimmy just sticking the fork into Howard a little bit more for whatever reason. He's still mad at Howard.
1: Yeah, I don't um I don't understand why he's doing this with Howard. It's feeling kind of mean at this point. Yeah, I mean, we Howard- don't
0: know the reason for sure. Somebody might know, but I don't know. Um it just it does seem overly
1: mean. And I mean it's kind of comical. But I mean he's not doing anything I don't know, messing up his car was criminal, pretty bad. But, I mean, this is kind of comical. This you is could, much
0: worse than his car, though. His car can get repaired. This is like his reputation.
1: It is. It's in there with the judges and everybody. But, yeah, you're right.
0: So and I'll never know. be able to hire those hookers again. And Jimmy says, these aren't. those aren't my hookers. My hookers are much taller. Like he was putting words in Howard's mouth right. to make
1: it funny. Right. Right. He was talking. So he gets a phone call, and he's like, well, I'm good. Then he pulls out paperwork out of his briefcase, and he calls, um, I've Olivia, got Elizabeth. You Olivia Bitsui. Was it Olivia? I think so. Because I had Elizabeth Bitsui. Okay. But he calls her. So something in that made him decide he was going to continue. Something. That's when he decided, I think. Now, yeah,
0: there's a dis- there's a slight distinction in Odin Kirk's facial expression where he knows this is going to be distasteful, and he does it anyway. And this is a little bit more of him breaking into Saul, I think. I-, I don't think Jimmy is totally crossed into Saul. I think he's still doing it by degrees. He might be, who knows what, ninety percent of the way there, but he's still he's still got twinges of like, ooh, this is this is going to be mucky, go- you know, getting this old lady. <laughs> I don't know. I thought it was, I thought it, I thought Odenkirk played it really well by showing that little smirk of like, Oh, I don't really want to make this call.
1: See, I didn't take that at all. I felt like he wanted to make the call and that's why he did it. There's something about Howard and justice. He wants justice for something. I think, I think he wanted justice for this bit woman who Kevin, who steamrolls everything and gets his way He wants justice for her, and I think he's viewing something about what's going on with Howard as justice. But I don't know. Maybe Jimmy's benefactors,
0: or the people that benefit from Jimmy's skills, are low. You know, they're they're usually people who aren't normally going to get the beneficial results of what should be right for them. Right, And sometimes he scams people and gets people that don't deserve things, things they don't deserve. But yeah, I mean, this Olivia Bitsui, this was dead and gone from 1970. She's never going to get copyright money for her photo or drawing or whatever it was.
1: And probably didn't even know.
0: Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know how much he's standing up for this Miss Grandmother Bitsui or he's just making his own path towards whatever he needs for himself.
1: Yeah, I just don't know what what caused him at that moment. It was like this decisive thing, and he decides to call her because he's going to go through with this. So then back to Mike, he goes into the police station and tricks the mail guy into delivering this inter-office envelope to Detective Roberts. He's like, put it down there and acts like the guy's done something wrong. Lost it so then we go to detective roberts who's on the phone with someone trying to convince them that what they smell under their porch probably isn't a human body and then he picks up the inner office memo and finds out there was a hit and run the same day as that travel wire fire and both with the same monte carlo yeah i got
0: this feeling about roberts back in breaking bad too when hank asked him to help like He's slogging along doing, you know, dog bites man calls in Albuquerque, and all of a sudden he gets this interesting case. Because I think Hank called him when he found Gail's notebook, and he was looking at all the recipes and the chemical combinations. He's like, this is interesting. I don't know what it is, but can you help me figure it out? Like, Robert's is bored, and Hank gets him involved in this and, like, brings him. Because Robert seems very capable, but he's... You know, he's taking, like you said, possum phone calls. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was that was funny, the conversation he was having. He told the person they could go out there and shine a flashlight under and the person said they couldn't even fit under it to look, and he's like, then it's probably not a body. If it is a body, I will come investigate. It's funny. But how did they not put that together? They should have put that together, shouldn't they?
0: What put what together?
1: The hit and run. Well, they did. No, yeah, they think, didn't until Mike just did it.
0: Well, you know, you mean up to this point? Yeah, I guess. I mean, how do they know? Well, you know, well, there was a
1: hit and run with a Monte Carlo, and then there was like a Monte Carlos. Oh, okay, I get, I get that because they didn't know it was the Monte Carlo yeah. sitting outside the chateau. Okay, yeah. okay, okay, okay. That makes them seem much less. Um, in inept than I was thinking. Okay, so then Kevin and the Mesa Verde crew are waiting on Jimmy, and Kim says that he'll that that they're definitely going to land on an agreement today. It may be, you know, a couple days before it's all ironed out, but they're going to land on it today. And Kevin is done. He just wants to get this behind him. And then Jimmy walks in. There's introductions all around. Kim offers the forty five thousand that they talked about. And Saul wants $4 million. That is so bad. Kim, the look on her face, she said they had a verbal agreement. She's really mad. Um, and then as soon as she realizes what he's doing, she goes to try to end this meeting. And, um, you know, her excuses so she and Rich can have a private meeting and everything she wants to get Kevin out of the room is what she wants to do because she knows what Saul's going to do. And Saul's not going to have any of it. He pulls out the video and says, they have to see this and Kevin almost leaves. But when Saul says that it's about his dad, his dad's in it, of course you're going to sit back down at that point. And then we get to see the video where they've taken the clips from the original commercial and added all sorts of fun stuff like evictions, black mold stuff sexual harassment, funding terrorism. Um,
0: Yeah, CDs in the Breaking Bad universe are pretty brutal.
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: Anytime somebody walks up with a CD, you should like run and hide.
1: (laughs) Well, they just keep saying that he can't air this. There's no way he can air this. And then he brings out like the Trump card, the Bitsui photo, and they're going what do you mean he literally holds it up to the overhead thing and it's a perfect almost match to it and kevin won't quit talking he says he owns that photo and jimmy lets him know that he only owns a copy and that that's copyright infringement and he's like but we will he tells him to throw a tarp over all of his um horse statues And that they should get it all worked out in the next couple years. And he says, see you later, and he leaves.
0: Yeah, it's the time equals money strategy. Like, we'll tie this up forever in court and getting you in trouble for copyright infringement.
1: Well, and he's got a point. But see, the point is, is that this is what Kim found in that artwork and in in the paperwork for or you know we thought she was looking at the paperwork that was on kevin's desk that that guy broke into the house but she was really looking maybe at the artwork that was in his office and she saw that so that was what that was all about that kim saw and so she knows this she knows this is well of course she knew anyway because she had set this up with jimmy but this was kim's idea to begin with But then there's chaos in the Mesa Verde boardroom. Kim's saying this is going to be a long-haul battle. And Kevin gets up to leave, and Kim's saying they'll fix it. But Kevin says he's going to the bathroom. You know, she's like, you know, where are you going? She's afraid. She doesn't know what he's going to do. But he leaves, and he calls Saul, who's still in the parking garage. And then Kevin's like, okay, what if we just let Acker stay at home? And Saul kind of laughs at him. And he's like, well, what will it take? And Saul says that (laughs) he's such a smart aleck, right? He's like, close your eyes and imagine a world where Mr. Acker gets to keep his house and gets $45,000 and a public apology. And Bitsui gets $200,000 and a public apology. Then the injunction disappears and the video never sees the light of day. And then Saul offers to shake his hand on it.
0: Yeah, so Michelle, I tried to attach the numbers to this, like what was Saul really after number wise. But I guess I'm, I guess I answered my own question earlier in our podcast when he was just playing the game. His 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 um desire to win was to win the game, like the the ploy, the game, and this wins him the game. If Kevin agrees to this, he makes the numbers so ominously against him. If he decides to fight it, that. Kevin just says, fuck it, I'll just pay, okay, I'll pay $245,000 and give her future credits, whatever. It just, let's end this game, and that's what Jimmy wanted to win, the game, not the money. He didn't want to get as much money as possible. He wanted to win the the scam.
1: Yeah, he likes to, like, stick it to people. It's some kind of stuff. It's like he gets something stuck in his craw about people. That's what
0: he and Marco did. That's what him and... Gertrude or Giselle did in him and Kim's games. It's, it's the play. It's not the money. It's the right. plot.
1: Well, and I mean, you know, I don't. we don't even know if he's even going to get any of the money at all off of Bitsui. It
0: doesn't matter. He's, he's won over. He's beaten Kevin in this little scam.
1: Yeah. So that was pretty tough. But then we see Nacho and he's on the phone with Mike telling them that he's just been dropped off and Lalo's going south. Mike gets on a police radio and impersonates a policeman, telling them where Lalo is. And then Lalo's at a stop sign. The police pull up. Then they pull all around him, and he starts to pull a gun. He obviously thinks better of it, and he does as he's told. And we see that really cool scene with the—you're, like, looking up from the the road— outside his car window, and the keys fall to the pavement. For table. a
0: moment, Michelle, I thought this was the resolution of Lalo. I thought Lalo would have pulled the gun, maybe, and this is the shootout that he gets killed in, and this, this is the end of Lalo. But nope, he's gonna go get caught, and now we're gonna see him getting probably interrogated by Hank and Gomi and Edwards and all this stuff. I don't know, they've somehow made this more interesting. But, um, uh, Lalo... And Nacho are the, and Kim are the three mysterious people that we don't know what freaking happens to them.
1: Well, Lalo's going to need a good attorney, too.
0: I don't think it's going to be Jimmy McGill. You don't? No.
1: You don't? No. Okay. Why? Because uh, I was thinking it would.
0: Uh, maybe. I mean, you know what? You're making me look at the next episode titles. JMM, 507, Bagman, 508, Bad Choice Road, 509, and Something Unforgivable, 510.
1: Oh, I couldn't even find 510. I didn't know what it was.
0: So, I don't know. I don't see Lalo, uh, unless he's unless he's blackmailed into it. I don't see Jimmy defending Lalo, but who, who frickin' knows?
1: I don't think Jimmy has any choice in what he has to do for those people anymore but I don't know. We'll see, I guess. So Jimmy is playing smoke on the water on his guitar when Kim walks in and she is next level unhappy, cold silence. He's sorry for sandbagging her with the old switcheroo of all things to say, you know? And, um, but he tells her that her anger worked. No one would be suspicious of her now. It worked like an immunity shield. But now, what Jimmy? I mean, Kim realizes that Jimmy is going to do that. Even she can't stand in his way. I guess it's not them together pulling the shenanigans. It's Jimmy pulling the shenanigans, and you know, if she's there, good, and if she's not, good. Or her and he'll do it up to the her. Pieces. Yes.
0: Before this um, scene played out, I typed Kim got fired (laughs) because I thought Jimmy tried to say, you know, this is just funny. You know, who cares? Nothing. Who cares what happened? It's just, you know, it's a scam. And I thought she was going to say, Jimmy, I got fired. But no, she doesn't say that. She says, I don't trust you is the big penalty in all this, which I guess is a pretty big penalty in a relationship.
1: That's huge. That's huge. But, you know, she... Okay, to Jimmy's mind, everybody won. He said Acker won. He gets to keep his home plus change. But Suey won because she gets what was owed to her. And, you know, Kevin wins because he still gets to do his call center just somewhere else. He's like, we all won. And then Paige says, I didn't win. So that was a big one. And then she turns on that... She can't do this anymore. Um, You've turned you against me, or or you and me against the bank, to you versus me, which is where we get the name of this episode. And he tries to make it about plausible deniability, but she tells the truth. He stabbed her in the back. And this is where he says, I'll never do it again. I'll never do it again. She's like, look me in the eyes and tell me you'll never do it again. And he can't. And then she goes into this, I can't live like this. We're at a breaking point. Um, She says either they end it now and enjoy the time they had or go their separate ways or, and Saul's like, or. And she says, or maybe we get married.
0: Yeah. Pretty complicated little uh, mess we've got here on our hands, Michelle.
1: Yes. Yes. So she
0: says some profound stuff, too. She says, lies have no end. We have to end and remember what we had to make this like have any meaning at all, any value at all. Like, it's better that we end it and remember what we had instead of just going on lying to each other, which is pretty deep. Yeah. Or we get married. And, you know, that's why I attached this meaning to Gould and Seahorn saying... They said she said this because of her relationship with her mother. That she didn't want to, she didn't want to burn the bridge because she burned the bridge with her mother when she was twelve years old.
1: Yeah, but she didn't really burn any bridge with her mom when she was twelve. I mean, she still walked home. She still lived in her house. She still ate her food. Do we she know still, that? No, but I mean, I'm sure she did. She was a baby. She was just a little kid.
0: How do we know she didn't go live with her Uncle Phil in Kansas City? She always talks about Kansas City, not Nebraska. Yeah, I don't know. Nebraska was a surprise. That's why I had to do the double take on that license plate.
1: Right. It wasn't
0: Missouri or Kansas. It was Nebraska. So, And they're all pretty close. I get that. But she didn't talk about living or being from Nebraska. She talked about being from Kansas City. So maybe she moves in with another relative or something happens. She gets I don't know, married at 15 or... I mean, who freaking knows? But somehow... And again, it's Gould and Seahorn talking about this, not some jerk-off on another podcast theorizing. It's like the creators. Right. So... Even though it's kind of weak, I don't really love it. But nonetheless, they they do mention it. So do you think, Michelle, what, what are the odds that Jimmy and Kim have ever been married what would you give the odds
1: um uh, what would i give the odds i think they're high um 57 what do you think
0: um three to five percent
1: are you serious
0: yep i bet okay. they never got married
1: Okay.
0: You have to remember another funny line in Breaking Bad, too, where Saul says to Walt when Walt's, Skylar's mad at him, and Jimmy's like, uh eh, whatever. You know, I caught my second, I caught my third wife messing around with my second wife's stepdad. Or he makes some stupid joke, and Walt gets all mad.
1: Mm-hmm. But Jimmy
0: or Saul makes a joke about having been married multiple times, which was probably just a joke in Breaking Bad. But I don't know I don't see them having having gotten married. I don't see Jimmy and Kim having gotten married.
1: okay That's I don't it know. Michelle.
0: That's the end.
1: Yeah. I don't know. I don't know that I agree with you I, I don't know I, I think it's pretty high. They may not end up going through with it but Jimmy okay first of all Jimmy would have married her at any point. I think. Do you agree with that or not?
0: Mm, mm, probably.
1: I think Jimmy would have married her. I think it was her that, you know, probably didn't want to get married yet. So I think by her saying this, I think Jimmy's going to jump on it. And as we've seen, I mean, he doesn't want to lose her. He was like freaking out there for a minute. And... If he jumps on it and things move like they normally move in these episodes, they'll be married in three days
0: maybe our maybe our odds making on romantic foot footing is is incorrect because maybe something artificial intervenes, like she gets kidnapped by the cartel or murdered, or you know something that cuts it all totally short.
1: Well, to anybody who listens, I'd love to hear your thoughts on what they're going to do. I think we should start like a poll. Can we do a poll on Twitter?
0: Sure, you can do whatever you want, Michelle.
1: (laughs) Okay. I think we should do that, like a poll. Do uh, Jimmy and Kim get married How do people reach
0: you on Twitter, Michelle?
1: I am at Michelle from TN.
0: And how do people reach your YouTube channel with its massive... (laughs) subscriber list
1: um same thing it's just michelle from tn completely different topics nothing about um nothing about these great podcasts that we do these great tv shows that we do so
0: i've had a couple of people ask me and i'm you know i'm like they say why don't you talk about your other stuff at the end of this podcast so i'm doing a couple things i'm doing this um wacky podcast called darlin alleys like Darling, but not the G, Darlin Allies. Darlin
1: Allies, yeah. I'm
0: doing a YouTube channel that only has a couple of videos, but it's kind of about the van, driving around in the van, and um, the stuff I've seen and stuff I've learned about it so far. So, Darlin Allies on YouTube and Darlin Allies on Spotify or yep. iTunes. Yep. Um, and my, my Twitter name is Scathing Tweets. Yep. So, yeah, if you figure out a poll, Michelle, put it together. I'd love to see what people think.
1: I would, too. I would love to see what people think about this because, um, I don't know. We'll see.
0: What did you see on the next ons?
1: <sighs> Mike, I dropped the ball, and I did not get the next ons. Okay. I know. Sorry. I completely forgot. I meant to go back and do it, and I didn't, and I didn't realize till I just got to the last page. I was hoping you'd forget this time, but...
0: No, that's no okay. So. It's okay. We've gone long enough. So, okay. uh, Michelle, next week we'll see you at JMM. Jimmy McGill's yep. mom briefcase. What do you think JMM means?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's his name. We know that. I don't know. I
0: think it's in a pretty I, – I mean, if I have to guess – it's, an, a pretty impor- it's a pretty important gift that Kim gives to Jimmy that she has to delay for a year, right? Because he doesn't get his law degree for a year. Mm-hmm. And maybe something happens to that briefcase. And maybe this is the breaking point that, like, he has to get rid of it or he has to throw away the briefcase or it gets taken from him or something. And that kind of is a symbol of them being separated somehow.
1: Well, see, I think it might be that that's who she marries because she can't marry Saul,
0: Okay, but how do Why? Why would they just show the initials? I don't know. Okay, I don't well, we, it's just a thought. It's a good. That's a good point of agreement, Michelle. We don't know. <laughs> we don't. <laughs> right, okay. Well, nonetheless, we'll see you next week on five zero seven JMM.
1: Okay, see you then, Mike. Bye. Bye.